I know if you're, uh, if you're my age, or I'll say my wife's age, she had a birthday yesterday, so if you're my wife's age uh, or older, clearly you never imagined that one day we'd go to a store and buy bottled water, did you? I mean, you get that out of a water fountain for free. You, you, you go to the faucet, you turn it on, and you get it free. Now we pay for it. Good money, too. I mean, this billion-dollar industry buying water that's already been paid for. Uh, but water is kind of the essence of life, isn't it? It's the substance of life. Water gives life to everything. You know, another thing we spend billions of dollars on is satellites and rockets to, to go to the planets and, and other moons. And you know what we go and we look there for? We look for water. We look for water. It, 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 does that planet have what we need to sustain life? Water is a life sustainer. I mean, it's just a super basic, simple thing to sustain life. What's interesting is that something so basic to life is an incredible destroyer of life, isn't it? Too much at one time? We call it hurricanes. We call it floods. We certainly see it on the TV and news, and unfortunately, we have felt it quite a few times here in the Richmond area, the power and the destruction of water. So you look out there at nature, and, and you've got something that is absolutely at the basic essence of life, and at the same time can absolutely destroy life. And you know what's true out there in nature is just as true here in the church. I mean, if you think about it, water is a symbol of new life in the church. But water has also been incredibly destructive and divisive in the church. You say, what are we talking about? We we fight over the water fountain? What does that mean? We're talking about baptism. I mean, folks, think about it. Whole denominations have been developed over this. Not not bottled water, (laughs) but baptism. When is somebody supposed to be baptized? How are they supposed to be baptized? Is it even that big of a deal? Does it even really matter that much? Where do we begin in looking at the issue of baptism? You know, I think an important place to begin is with ourselves and probably realizing that most of us, when we made the decision to be baptized, it wasn't because we did an in-depth study of Scripture and found out what God said. Now, we may have done something that was right in line with what God said, but the reality of it is we were baptized in a way that the church we were going to did that or the way our parents led us to do that. We, We didn't make a decision based on what God told us or what Scripture said. But you know what? Scripture actually has a lot to say about baptism. And folks, it has a lot to say, not only about that that ceremony that we go through at some point in our life, it actually has a lot to say about the ongoing impact that your baptism is to be having in your life. You may have been baptized uh, a month ago, a year ago. I'm sure there's a lot of us in this room, we were baptized 17, 27, 30 years ago. Did it have an impact on how you lived this week? Did it have an impact on the decisions that you made? Because that's what Scripture says. Your, your actual baptism, not just that it happened, what it means is to be having an impact today. So folks, I want us to take a little bit of a, a, a look at what the Scripture teaches about baptism. Would you, would you look there with me this morning? Let's begin in Matthew 3. Scripture gives us an example. So that's what we're going to look at first. The example that Scripture gives us. Matthew chapter 3, first book in the, uh, in the New Testament, right before Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If you can't reach one, I know you point to it, somebody will hand you one. want everybody to be able to read and study along. Matthew chapter 3. 
And look at verse 13. We're looking at the example that the scripture gives us first. Matthew 3 verse 13. It says, then Jesus came up or came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, wait a minute, I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed for him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. I take delight in him. Look, folks, can you imagine just for a moment, John the Baptist, can you imagine being him and and, and Jesus coming to you to be baptized? Now, at this moment right here, chronologically speaking, John is one of just a handful of people on the whole planet who really have a concept of who this guy named Jesus is. And and so now he's coming to John to be baptized. Now, you know, if you think about it, in in one sense, John could be really proud, couldn't he? I mean, think this is what it's going to do for his resume. You know, I mean, the church grew and I brought down the debt and I baptized the Son of God. I mean, that's a job security right there. You know, you put that down, it's just going to work for you. But that's not at all what John felt. He didn't see anything about what this would look like for him. What he felt was overwhelmed. What we felt was unworthy. God, this doesn't make any sense. This is completely reversed. You should be coming and baptizing me. But look look at Jesus' response. He says, no, you know what? For right now, for what I'm doing, this is the right thing to do. Why why is it the right thing to do? Is Jesus being baptized because he's just been saved? Of course not. He's not not lost. Is Jesus being baptized to represent the the forgiveness of sins in his life? No, because he has no sins. Then why is he being baptized? Why would he need to be baptized? Folks, this right here is Jesus' entrance into public ministry. This is the beginning of what's going to happen. And in that three years and for the next 2,000, his words are going to issue an invitation. They're going to issue a call to you and a call to me. And the invitation is, follow me. Follow me. Live like I live. Do what I do. And in baptism, he is creating a place... He's creating a way. And think how simple this is. I mean, following him is not easy, is it? There are some places where if we stop and think about what would Jesus do in this moment, it it seems really hard. It seems like it's going to cost us. We may think about what Jesus would do in this moment. and think, I don't want to do that. I mean, I just, I don't want to do that. So when you think about a lifetime of following him, man, that's hard. It's a challenge. But he's created this really simple way that we walk through this door and we begin. Think of that. In this baptism, I can do just what Jesus did. And don't you know, if Jesus would not have done this, who'd be baptized? How many people would say, well, I don't need to be baptized. Jesus wasn't baptized. You know people would say that. So Jesus does. To leave us an example. Now, okay, he's left an example. Be baptized. Uh, You're going to spend a life following me. Now, how are we to be baptized? Well, I want you to notice just two things here. Quick observations. Notice it says in verse 16 that he came up immediately out of the water. Now, I'm not a physicist and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night. But I'm, I'm guessing that you cannot come up 
out of the water unless you have first gone, you got to go down into it, don't you? And maybe somebody here smarter than me can figure out a way you come up without having first gone down into it. Jesus came up. Okay, remember, what's he leaving us? An example. In his example, he went down into the water. He came up out of the water. And the second observation, his dad spoke up here, didn't he? His dad said, hey, hey, son, I'm proud of you. Man, that's awesome. Now think about that. Jesus has created a place where you and I could start following him. Where we could do just what he did. And the father said, I'm proud of you. Man, that's exciting. I love what you did. His father came and put a big stamp of approval right on it. So the scripture clearly gives us an example in baptism. Now, let's think about the meaning. Now, when I say meaning, I'm talking about two things. Meaning of the word. The actual meaning of the Greek word baptizo. And then also the meaning behind baptism. Scripture says, be baptized. What's the meaning behind that? Well, the the meaning of the word. Meaning of the word literally means to immerse and to identify with. To immerse and to identify with. Now, immerse means to go down underwater. As a matter of fact, in the Greek language, they would also use the word baptizo, that Greek word. They would use it in something that happens to a ship when it's laying at the bottom of the ocean. You know, if our ships in America get a hole in them and they go to the bottom of the harbor or the bottom of the, of the ocean, we say that is a sunken ship, right? Pretty simple here. That shouldn't be real confusing. In the Greek language, they say that's a baptized ship. So clearly the word has the idea of going down under the water. But it also means to identify with. Now, those sounds like two really different words, don't they? Going underwater and identifying. How, how does that come under one word? Well, the primary use, the main use of the word baptism or baptizo in the Greek language was in cloth dyeing. They, they would take a, a piece of cloth and they would immerse it, sink it down into the dye. And when it came up, it was now identified as a new color. It, it, this was a white piece of cloth until I immersed it into the dye, and now it comes up and it's identified as red. I know you're sitting there right now thinking, wow, sunken ships and cloth and dye. That's, that's why I came to church today. What does this have to do with my Christian life and what I've got to do this week? I'm so glad you asked. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Go to the right couple of books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 6, and look at verse 1. Matthew 6, verse 1. Romans 6. Did I say Matthew? Yeah. Go, start, we started in Matthew. Gosh, come on, y'all got to listen better than that. It's Romans, just like I said. Romans chapter 6, not to be confused with Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply? I've just come to faith in Christ. I'm a new believer and I've just learned this great truth. I've been forgiven of all my sins. God's grace is going to forgive me. So now I can go back out there and I can just sin a plenty knowing it's all taken care of, right? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, look at verse 2. It says, absolutely not. That's a, a very nice, clean English way of interpreting what it says in the Greek. What it says in the Greek is meganoite. And I'm not going to translate for you. It's very, very close to cussing. 
Paul is saying right here, now that you're saved and forgiven, can you just go on living in sin, knowing that it's covered? And he, I'm like, I can't say what he said. I just can't do it up here. But he really says very strongly, no, you cannot do that. With a lot of emphasis. How can we who, watch this, when I came to Christ, I died to sin so how can I still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were, we were baptized by immersion, we identified with Christ Jesus, we were also baptized, we were identified into his death. Just as Jesus died for sin, you and I died to that sin. Just as he was buried, we were buried. Verse 4, therefore we were buried with him by baptism, by identification. Remember when we started that journey in following Christ? We were identified with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised and resurrected from the dead in newness of life. Folks, baptism is a picture. It is a picture past tense of what has happened in my life. I came to Christ, I trusted in Him, that's the past. In other words, baptism does not save you. Baptism doesn't seal the deal. It doesn't mean your salvation was real. Baptism is a portrayal of what has happened in your life. That moment that you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you stopped trusting in yourself. You stopped trusting in your church membership. You stopped trusting in what a good person you were trying to be. You stopped trusting that because you realized, I'm still not in right standing with God. I still don't have my sin covered. I'm still not ready to step into eternal life. And you turn and place all your faith and trust in what Jesus accomplished for you at the cross. At that moment, you're saved. At that moment, you become a child of God. And then God says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through a ceremony. Now think about that. You know, if you think about it, our generation, our culture, we don't, we don't shine real big on the ceremonial anymore. The, the tradition and the ceremony. We kind of, for us sometimes, that's kind of become fake or just going through the motions. We're, we're not very much of a ceremonial type people anymore. But it is God who said, no, I, I want there to be a ceremony picturing what has happened in your life. Just as my son died for that sin, you're now dying to it. Just as my son was buried, you are buried. You're identifying with him in this baptism. As he was resurrected to walk a new life, you're resurrected to walk a new life. Now watch the impact. This is what Romans 6 is about. It's not about the past, what happened in our past. It's about what's happening today in the present. Because as you and I begin this journey of following Christ, it's still hard. And, and, and we're tempted to not always follow Him and to do what He would do. And so my baptism is a constant reminder to me that I've died. So when all of a sudden I'm tempted to, to lust, i got to say, wait a minute, I, I can't think like that. I can't act like that. I died to that. Hey, wait a minute, I can't, I can't get even. I died to getting even. Hey, I can't respond in that kind of anger in this moment. I died to that. Hey, I can't live greedy and, and selfishly and materialistically. I died to that. And I was resurrected to live like Christ in this moment. To do what Christ would do in this moment. Folks, it is our baptism. It is remembering going through those waters, being immersed, identifying with Him. It's a spiritual event that happens inside us, but the physical event helps us remember and identify with Him and live like Him as we go throughout our lives. 
And that's why Baptists believe in what we call believer's baptism. In other words, baptism is for somebody who has already made their own personal profession of faith. When you start to understand the meaning of this word, you understand the meaning behind this activity, an infant can't be expressing that, can it? Now, folks, we love our infants here, don't we? A little bit of yes there would be really encouraging, especially for all those who have a baby in the nursery right now. Yeah, we love our infants, and we're going to raise our infants under the Lord. And I believe at a very early age, a child can come to a saving knowledge of Christ. But folks, when you look at what Scripture teaches about baptism, there's no possible way an infant can be expressing that. As a matter of fact, as that infant grows, it can't even look back and remember that. And the parents can't wish that upon the child. It'd be like me saying, you know what? I really hope my kids one day get married. As a matter of fact, I love being married so much. And I think it's very important to life and to our nation. And I really so I'm very committed to raising my kids in the institution of marriage and seeing them come into marriage. So when they come out, of I'm going to put this ring on them. But folks, in that moment, that ring is worthless. That ring doesn't make them married. That ring doesn't mean they're going to be married. The ring doesn't even mean they're going to enjoy marriage if they do get married. The ring is a sign of what has happened. And you think about that. You see this ring on me. You know something happened. You know there was a day I came down an aisle. You know I belong to someone. That's the exact same thing baptism is. Baptism is a design. I came down the aisle and I made a commitment The baptism is a sign I belong to somebody. There's no way an infant can do that. You know, it's funny, folks. I have uh, I can I can speak about baptism because I've done it all. Okay, I grew up Presbyterian. I I started off life in in Presbyterian. So so I was sprinkled as an infant. uh, Incredibly meaningful moment for me, other than the fact I don't remember any of it. But you know what? Uh, Seriously, all joking aside, it was a meaningful moment for my parents. It was a very important part of the expression of their faith. It was an important part of the expression of of how they were going to raise me and what they wanted for me. But folks, I'm not being funny here when I say when you understand what Scripture teaches about it, it was a worthless moment for me. It was not expressing anything about me. It may have been an expression of what my parents were doing, what the family of faith was doing, but the Scripture doesn't teach baptism as something the family of faith or the parents do. It teaches it as an individual's response to their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Later on, as we were in eighth grade, uh, I, we, we were not in eighth grade, I was in eighth grade. My parents had, had finished that. And... Uh, we, we, left the, we, we left and we became members of a, a Baptist church. And so, you know, if you become a member of a Baptist church, you can join the club. You've got to be dunked. And uh, so, you know, we went through that. Now, you know what? All joking aside, when, when my family and I came down the aisle, that was a meaningful moment. And, and when I came down that aisle, I want to tell you something. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus Christ. I believed in the Bible. Believed in the church. Believed this was probably the best way to live. But I was not a believer. You just said you believed all that stuff. Yeah, I believed it. I gave, I gave mental acknowledgement to it. But I had, I, I had said Jesus is a Savior. I had not yet made a profession of faith that He is my Savior. But I came, I came down that aisle and I, we talked with the pastor and counseled. And, you know, days, weeks later, we ended up up there as a family being baptized. Very important time in my family's life. Very meaningful time. But if I'd have died the next day, I'd have gone to hell for all eternity. 
Because I personally had never trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. It was two years later, 1982, that I made that decision. And I was baptized again. Not, not because what my mom and dad did as a baby was dumb or wrong or unimportant. No, that's not why I was baptized again. I, I was baptized again. Not because what, we did in, what I did in eighth grade was not meaningful and important a time for my family. But folks, baptism is not about a group time. It's about an individual time. It's about expressing what is true in my life. And when I went through those waters, it wasn't true. So I went through believer's baptism. So that I'd express Randy Hahn has died to sin and died to self and been buried with Christ. Randy Hahn has now been resurrected to live in a new life in Jesus Christ. So folks, Scripture gives us an example. Scripture gives us a meaning of what baptism is about and a meaning of the word. Scripture also gives us a priority. Listen to this. And I'm going to just turn there real quickly. You don't need to. I'm going to read it very fast. Matthew 28. Verse 18, a verse we've looked at recently with the Global Impact Conference uh, just behind us. It says, then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. You realize that's the command of God on your life. That is the primary charge, the primary thing you will stand before God for as a believer. Did you go make disciples? Did you go make others followers of Christ in your community, in your nation, and in the nations of the world? That's the charge of God. How do I do that, Lord? He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that I commanded you. How do I go into the world and make people followers of Christ? You show them baptism. You show them that place they can, they can come and identify with me and begin a life of following me. And then you teach them. You teach them so that they can know what it means to live that life. Folks, Scripture kind of puts baptism right here in the center of things, doesn't it? Kind of makes it a priority as Jesus is kind of summarizing this whole process. He picks two words, baptizing and teaching. Raises the importance of baptism to the same level as the preaching and the teaching of the gospel and the word of God. Listen to what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in all. Folks, when, when Paul is expressing the doctrine that unifies us, the, the doctrine that is central to our faith, he has in that baptism. Folks, it's not Baptists who've made baptism the center of things. It's God who has done this. This is a priority in the Christian life. Now, another question. How are we to be baptized? Okay, I'm a new believer. The Bible says be baptized. I'm going to do that. How am I to be baptized? Well, can we not just kind of summarize what we've looked at today and answer that question? I've got to decide how I'm going to be baptized. Now, I want to do what Jesus did. He set an example for me. How am I going to be baptized if I'm wanting to do what Jesus did? Am I not going to go down into the water so that I can come up out of the water? If I'm going to make that decision based on the meaning of the word, be baptized. What's that word mean? Go under the water. How am I going to be baptized if I'm going by the meaning of the word? How am I going to be baptized if I am trying to portray a picture of what has happened in my life? What picture would best portray me dying, me being buried and me being resurrected into new life? Folks, I believe with all my heart there is one clear profound way the scripture 
has given us to be baptized. Everything else you see is not a product of scriptural study. It is a product of church debates. Scripture nowhere shows us infants being baptized. The scripture nowhere shows us sprinkling. God has a way. I mean, it was so big to Jesus, even though it made no sense for him to be baptized, he said, no, I'm leaving an example. This is how we need to start. Now, am I saying that if you weren't baptized in this way that you're lost? Well, no, of course not, because I've already said baptism's not what saves you, period. However somebody's baptized, that's not what saves you. Well, well are you saying that I'm, I'm living in disobedience? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think that's what I would say. But I would say this. Whenever you and I come into a clear understanding of what Scripture's teaching, what should we do? Should we skirt around the issues of it? Talk about how I think I've already got that covered? Or should we try to get our lives right in what the Scripture says? Well, I've talked to a lot of people about this and they say, well, you know, when I look back there, when I was baptized that way or at that time, that was meaningful for me. And I just I feel like to do this again, I'd be rejecting that or or downplaying that or I'd be rejecting my parents and what they did. And you're not rejecting anything. You're not rejecting your mom and dad. You're saying, hey, mom and dad. As I've come into a full understanding of Scripture and what it's teaching, I'm completing what you wanted to start when you took that step with me. Or, or I'm, not, I'm not downplaying what I believed and what I meant X number of years ago. I'm just now coming into full obedience to what Scripture actually says and teaches. I mean, folks, you know what? There is a point to all this. That's always a good question, isn't it? What's the point? The point is, when you and I are baptized, we have an opportunity to set an attitude in our life. We have the opportunity to set an agenda in our lives. And here's the attitude. Here's the agenda. As I enter those waters by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am going to live the rest of my life to follow Jesus. I'm going to live the rest of my life to do what he did. Not kind of what he did. To do what he did. For, shouldn't the first step, the easiest step, be just like what he did? And that's not the place to say, well, there's some other ways to think about this. Well, there's some other ways to If you do that, you potentially spend the rest of your life saying that about everything Jesus taught. We want to imitate Christ. That's the point. What's the point of baptism? To do what Jesus did. No more and no less to live our lives following him.